Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know there are actually three types of treatments that are all roughly equally effective in reducing symptoms of depression and anxiety, assuming certain conditions are met? You probably know what two of them are, therapy and medication. Those are pretty much the no-brainers, right? There's a third type of treatment that works just as well as the absolute top-of-the-line antidepressant or anti-anxiety medications and will produce just as much relief from your symptoms as working with the absolute best therapist you can find under the right conditions. That third treatment is physical activity or exercise. In fact, there are certain ways in which it's actually a better treatment than therapy and medication. A few areas I'll highlight here that actually, on paper at least, now implementing it is a whole nother ballgame, and that's going to be the majority of what we talk about today. But on paper, there is a very strong case to be made that physical activity is the A1 top of the line best treatment for mood disorders and anxiety disorders. So in addition to producing roughly equal symptom relief, exercise appears to actually work faster than either therapy or medication in producing that relief. The average length of time that it takes to start to experience a symptom reduction from therapy or medication is about four weeks. Um, and that's assuming you're compliant with your medication. That's assuming you can see your therapist weekly. If either of those conditions are not met, it's going to take longer. The average length of time it takes to start to see some reduction in symptoms from regular physical activity is two weeks. So it's twice as fast. It is the fastest treatment we have in terms of producing symptom relief. Then on the flip side, when you look at long-term treatment outcomes, it has the lowest relapse rate of symptoms. And the, the main reason that we think that's true is because people are the most likely to stick with it. People tend to be, and I, I don't mean this rude or judgmentally, but it's, it's just what the data shows us. With therapy and with medication, we tend to be a little bit finicky. Like we can run very hot and cold with these things. Sometimes we start a med and we stop it. Um, sometimes we go with therapists, quit going for a while. They tend to be things that we start and stop a lot. Whereas once someone really gets into a routine with regular physical activity, they tend to stick with that for a much longer period of time. And so the long-term, if you look at longitudinal studies, like one, two, three years out from treatment initiation, physical activity shows the greatest long-term reduction in symptom rates when compared to therapy and medication. Obviously, I'm not even going to get into it, but there's a whole host of physical health benefits from regular physical activity that therapy is certainly not going to produce and that medications in some cases may actually make worse, right? Medications, uh, psychiatric medications, unfortunately, can sometimes have some aversive effects on our physical health. 
Um, and so it's a physical activity really just kind of stands alone in that regard as being the only one of these three that can claim physical health benefits. So again, on paper, this is the best treatment that there is for mood disorders and anxiety disorders. Also, it's free. I kind of forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, you can blow a ton of money on it if you want to. You can hire a trainer, build your own gym, whatever. But physical activity is free. And, and no matter who you are and what situation they're in, uh, there are ways you can do it for free. Now, here's the thing. And I think this is not new information, by the way. We've known this for a very, very long time. Um, in fact, I have, a, I have a funny story that'll <laughs> reveal a little bit of my, how my brain works too. In uh, When I was in undergrad and I was getting my bachelor's, uh, I took this class called Senior Seminar. And one of the things you do in senior seminars, you have to write a, a senior paper. And it's sort of like a mini dissertation. Your senior paper, it's, it's, it's like 10 to 15 pages. You know, you got to have references and it's, it's a pretty big deal. It's got to be an APA style. So it's kind of like preparing you for grad school. And I remember the first day of that class, they asked me to pick a topic. They asked everyone to pick a topic, not just me, but we just kind of went around the room and said like, you know, what do you think you're going to do? What do you think you're going to write about? And I said, physical activity and mental health, because I thought this is uh 2005, probably. I thought I was the first person who figured this out because I had hardly, I had just gotten into the world of psychology two years ago after changing careers and majors multiple times, another story for another day. But I had noticed in my own life that the, when I started getting regular physical activity in, it was the biggest turnaround I've ever experienced in my life. And I thought, I'm on to something here. I, I think I found the answer. And so when I started looking up uh, references for my research paper, I realized, yeah, we've known this for like 30 years at least. Um, and there's thousands of studies on it, even, even back then, which was almost 20 years ago. So this is not a new idea, okay? And I think the reason that it doesn't really get implemented with the consistency or the frequency that therapy and medication do is it's really intimidating. At least it seems that way. I'm going to break that down for you today and, and I'm willing to bet, okay, stick around and tell me in the comments um, or send me a message if you're listening to the podcast. Tell me, by the end of this episode, do you feel like you could do this? I am willing to bet that by the time I'm done talking and that by the time I really break all this down for you, you're going to be, you're going to be able to, you're going to be ready. You're going to be saying, you know what? I could go out there and do this. This is not that hard. I could do this. So that's what we're going to break down today. We're going to take a look at what does a person actually need to do in order to get the mental health benefits of physical activity. How often do you have to work out? How hard do you have to work out? How long do you have to work out? What kind of workout should you do? We're going to talk about it all. And then I have a couple secret personal strategies that help stick with it, help you stick with it, that I'm going to share with you at the end. So let's break down those four bullet points in order. Bullet point number one, frequency. How often do you need to work out? Now, keep in mind, every single thing I'm going to tell you here is purely from the perspective of physical activity for your mental health. I am not a medical doctor. I am not a personal trainer. I'm a psychologist. So I only really care about your brain. Um, like your body's cool too. It's just not my thing. It's not my domain. So I can't tell you how you should work out to take the best possible care of your body or like to get jacked or shredded or be ready to run marathons. Like I'm not your guy for that. Okay. 
What I can tell you is how to have a regular physical activity routine that optimizes your mental health. And you don't have to do that much. I'm telling you, this is going to be so much easier than you think, okay? So it tops out, meaning there appears to be no additional benefit beyond this, tops out at four to five days per week. Everything I'm about to tell you about is, is from a meta-analysis, right? So it's a study of studies. So that's why there's going to be a range and not an exact number, because this is a synthesis of like thousands of studies that all got slightly different results. So we don't necessarily have one dialed in exact answer, but we usually have a pretty narrow range in most cases. So once you get up to four or five days a week, you are pretty much maxing it out as far as how much benefit you can get from your mood, your emotions, your cognitive functioning. That's not to say that you shouldn't work out six or seven days a week, but you don't have to. And as far as your brain goes, there isn't even necessarily a compelling reason to. The one thing I would say to that is sometimes it is easier to do it every day than four or five days a week because then you're like, oh, is it my day or not? And sometimes you decide for like nine days in a row that it's the two days a week you don't work out. You can get into some murky waters with that. So, you know, I'm not saying don't do seven days a week. I'm just saying you don't have to. Uh, your brain's not going to care. It, it, it's not like the more you do it, the more symptom reduction you'll get. There does appear to be a cap on how much it can help you as far as how often you do it. So how about duration? How long do you have to do it for? This to me, there's some good news in this one. So again, we have a range. Again, we have a pretty narrow range. The optimal duration for a mental health focused workout is 20 to 30 minutes. That's it. Now, again, just like we said with frequency, I'm not saying that you shouldn't work out longer than that. You know, if you're like on a run with your buddy or something, I'm not saying set your watch for 20 minutes and be like, oh, I got to go. My time's up. Sorry. Like you can do more, but you don't have to. You don't have to do more. You don't really have to do anything all that crazy to get to the point where your brain is feeling a lot better from this. So 20 to 30 minutes a day, four to five days a week. That's really not, if you're at like zero and zero right now, that might seem like a lot. But what I want you to remember is this is where it peaks. Okay. So this is like the best of the best top of the line. Now think about that as being like analogous to a psychiatric medication. There's a certain dosage level of every medication where the efficacy peaks, right? And you're not necessarily getting any more out of it beyond that, but they don't start you with that dosage. In many cases, that is something you build up to with a stepwise approach. You know, let's say, let's say there's a medication that works best when you take it in 150 milligram doses. Often they'll start you at 50 milligrams, right? And you might stick with that for four, six, eight weeks. Then they'll bump you up to 100 for another four to six, eight weeks. Then finally, you're at 150. You're at that really high level, uh, optimal maintenance dose. If you're at zero and zero right now, like if you are starting from absolute scratch, then take a stepwise approach. Don't start with five days a week, 30 minutes a day. That's the, that's the top, right? That's the absolute peak. I'm saying start with like three days a week, five to 10 minutes a day. You could do that, right? You, you could everybody could do that. And there's more good news to come. Okay. Intensity. We haven't talked about intensity yet. The mental health benefits of physical activity appear to peak with moderate intensity, moderate intensity. So that's defined as um, basically 
you're you're feeling maybe like skin sweat or surface sweat but you're not like pouring sweat you're not drenched in your own bodily fluids um as far as breathing or heart rate you're gonna feel it a little bit but you're still able to talk you know so if you're gasping for breath that's not moderate intensity exercise that's high intensity exercise and that's more than you need to do it doesn't appear that you get any additional relief from depression or anxiety by pushing yourself crazy hard and just doing something unbelievably intense. So you don't have to. There's there's really no reason, as far as your brain is concerned, as far as your mental health is concerned, to do anything like super crazy or intense. Now, the other thing about intensity is the intensity of your workout is going to be based on your current fitness level. So if you're a total newbie at this, that's okay. And in, in fact, it's almost good news for you a little bit because it means you're not going to have to do that much to get up to that moderate intensity. It's, it's not going to take a whole lot for you. You might be able to do like a walk or some light, easy body weight stuff like slow paced calisthenics. It, basically, it kind of meets you where you're at, which is awesome because it means if you're not super into fitness right now, you don't have to be. You don't have to you don't have to become like a crossfitter or a marathon runner. This is just like a little bit, a few days for a little bit of time, not that intense. And the fourth variable is what type of physical activity should you do? You know, like, like, should I do, should I do weight training? Should I do cardio? Should I do CrossFit? Should I do sports? Should I do yoga? And, and this is the best part to me. Like this, just the, the, I'm so happy that I'm, that I get to tell you what I'm about to tell you and that it's actually true and I'm not making it up. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. As long as it meets the other three criteria, as long as you got the duration, the frequency and the intensity dialed in, then you can do whatever the heck you want. And it all works the same. So if there's some type of physical activity you enjoy and there's others that you hate, do the one you enjoy. There's no reason to make yourself do something that you find agonizing, which I found just so liberating because I love weight training and I hate cardio. Now, for the sake of my body, I do cardio every now and then to some degree, but it's not, I'm not into it. I, I don't enjoy it. I find it boring and tedious. I like lifting weights. And as long as I lift weights in a way that's consistent with what my brain needs for optimal mental health, then that's all I need to do. And you don't have to just grind your way through something that you find torturous. There's no reason to do it. So that's how you set up a physical activity regime for your mental health. Do whatever you want, four to five times a day, 20 to 30 minutes a day, moderate intensity, and work up to that. If that feels a long way off from where you're at right now, build it up in steps, okay? Now, here's a few more strategies you can add to make it even easier. First thing I would say is if it is at all possible for you, do it with a partner or a group of people. I probably would have quit going to the gym if I didn't have a workout partner when I first started, because there were so many days, especially early on when I hadn't really noticed any physical or mental health changes yet, where I was like, why, why am I getting up? I was in school at the time and I had a job in the evenings. So the only time I could work out was in the morning, um, like really early, earlier than I was used to getting up. And there were so many mornings I woke up and I'm like, why, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. I want to sleep. I want to play video games. I, I want to do anything other than what I'm about to do. And just knowing that someone was like coming to get me to take me there. I'm like, well, I'm not, 
I'm not going to cancel. I'm not, I'm not going to cancel on him because he was just starting too. And I don't know, he seemed way more driven than me to be honest with you, but you know, maybe he would have quit unless he had to pick me up. And so just having that accountability, having a partner or, you know, take a class, join a club, join a team sport, whatever it is, there is something different about doing it with other people. Also, it helps you remember you're not the only person doing it. And like, I know you know that, but there's something about when I do my cardio, I usually just wake up and like jog through my neighborhood and we don't have a lot of joggers in my neighborhood. So a lot of times it's, it's just me. And there's something about feeling like you're the only person in the world that's doing it, even if you know you're not, that just makes you feel like you are suffering more than you actually are, is a total psychological thing. But it's 100% true. And being in a place where other people are doing it too, and you can see other people doing it, it, it does something for you. And it, it, it reminds you like, I'm not the only person doing this. You know, there's other people putting themselves through the same thing, trying to better themselves physically and mentally trying to get where, you know, we're all trying to get to the same place. It just gives you this great sense of like team and camaraderie. Without that, it's, it's really easy to just give up without that. Another thing that I find really helpful, and depending on where you live or what you're doing, this may not always be feasible, but doing things outside when you can is tremendously beneficial, especially for cardio, because again, I obviously have some biases here, right? It's boring. It's so, it's so boring and hurts. And it's even more boring if you're doing it inside, like on a treadmill, because you don't go anywhere. Your, your scenery does not change. I know they have those ones now that have like the led screens built in and it like make you can pretend like you're jogging through a park but like you know that you, like who is that gonna fool i'm sorry <laughs> um and it just when you're when you're doing cardio inside and there's no actual like wind on your face and there's no birds singing and you don't actually go anywhere it just it's tough man it's I know some people are all about it. More power to you. I'm not. I'm not one of you. So, um, yeah, doing things outside really can make a difference. It just adds a lot more stimuli. It adds a lot more variation. It gives your brain, I think, more of a tangible sense of progress too. And again, you know, it's one thing to just see some numbers on a treadmill go up, like, "Ooh, I ran two miles on this machine," but to actually like physically see that you have gone farther. I think it lands differently for your brain. I think for a lot of people's brains, obviously, including my own, that's a higher reward activity. And that reward is part of what helps you keep going. So if you are doing an activity and you live in a place where you can do it outside, do it. If you can't do that, you know, the backup plan, I would say, is add something, add some stimuli to your workout. Easy mode, you know, listen to, listen to a podcast, listen to music. Nothing wrong with watching a show, especially if you're on like an in-game, a treadmill, a recumbent bike, something like that. Like watch a, watch a movie while you're doing that or something. And for bonus points, if you want to really ramp up your motivation, pick a show or a movie or, or a podcast or whatever it is and only watch it or only listen to it during your workout. It will add extra motivation because you want to do that thing. And you're like, well, the only way I get to do that thing is if I work out while I do it. So it really ramps up the motivation for you. So think about all this. Think about all this I just told you. Think about where the benefits max out. And remember that you don't have to start there. 
right? Remember, you can start two, three, four steps below that. You can do any type you want. You can do it with friends. You can do it with help. Now be real for with yourself for a minute. Can you do that? Can you? I think you can. I think anybody can. Even if you have certain physical limitations, any type of exercise will work. Like people with, okay, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being real with you for a minute, okay? People with like no legs can exercise, okay? People, there, there's 80-year-olds out there with fantastic fitness routines. Like anybody can do something. You may not be able to do everything. Some of us do have limitations. That's okay. Don't do the things you can't do, obviously. But you can do this. You can. I know you can. Tell me what you think. See you next time.